This is the Cosmic Voice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cosmic Voice. This is Season 4, Episode 14. I am here with my co-host, Chris Natalini. Hello, hello. And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone, to another show. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Mick. Doing great. Since you and I record, we're always a, you know, a little bit ahead, and it's a little early this morning that we're recording. And wow, you're already drinking your Sam's Club Diet Pepsi, your Stars and Stripes. Wow, yep. I, I'm not even. I'm still on coffee at this point. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, we normally record in the evening, so this is one of those rare occasions where schedules have gotten a little, you know, conflicted. So we're we're doing an early morning. I usually start the morning out with some caffeine, and uh, <laughs> usually in the soda department. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Are you are, are you not a coffee drinker? I'm not a coffee drinker. I drink tea. Oh, okay. I do drink okay. tea twice a day in the morning and in the evening, but sometimes I do a midday. That actually keeps me, in my opinion, I haven't had a cold in, I don't know, 15 years. I do oh, uh, wow. greens wow. and black teas, and I also do some vitamin C a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. You know, sometimes I'll beef up on the vitamin D and some zinc. You know, especially yeah. during all that COVID stuff, I don't know if anybody oh remembers that. But I just, I would, <laughs> I, would uh, I took a little bit more just to keep my uh, immune system much higher than we were allowed yes. to have as we were sequestered to our homes. Yes, yes, I know. So, I took during that time. You know, if we if we remember it, hopefully, hopefully we'll get flagged. I, I think I took more vitamins than I ever have in my entire life for that whole. I mean, I, I've always taken vitamins, but I took way more. That whole year plus. No, oh, I think uh, everyone was. Yeah, oh, they were just man, kind of piling man, up. But I'm man. a firm I mean, I, believer that the diet soda addiction that I have, the aspartamine or aspartame, however you want to pronounce it, has been keeping my bloodstream a okay <laughs> and COVID free. It may kill rats, but it keeps me alive. I'm like the Keith Richards of um, of diet soda. Well, obviously with you, because you're a skinny little thing, obviously you're not diabetic, so. (laughs) No, (laughs) definitely not self-inflicted. No, I could be with this, but uh, I get, you know, I get that story all the time. Ah, it kills rats. Yeah, well, listen, a rat is maybe about two and a half pounds. I'm not, and (laughs) I actually talked to a couple of people. They said that the amounts of stuff that they put into a rat and that kills them is like I'd have to fall into a gigantic vat of diet soda (laughs) ingested it through my eyeballs and nostrils and, uh, you know, finish that vat. So I'd be like SpongeBob. I'd be this big sponge, you know, filling up. Then maybe I get it. But the way I, you know, listen, it keeps the motors clean. You know what I'm saying? Listen, man, you know, there was a number, a very long time ago, there was a number of years that I was a 
total Coca-Cola drinker. Like I was addicted. And they used to tell me all the time, oh, it cleans car batteries and cleans blood off the street after an accident. And I'm like, whatever, man, I don't care. <laughs> like, so does water. Yeah, you, so, you know what I mean? Yeah, high pressured water. They use it, you know, <laughs> and they add some sand to it and it's good, you know, yeah. take take off the crust at the bottom of a boat. So, I mean, listen, whatever. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to die of something someday, so whatever. I'm going to enjoy it until I go. I don't do, do it. With, you I know. know. Yeah, you know. I know. Listen, if that's, I know. If, if that's what's going to kill me... I, at least you're happy. Yeah, at least, I don't know what to say. I don't know right, what to say. Right. At least right. I stayed out of prison. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I'm buying stars and stripes from the dollar twenty five store now. So, you know what I mean? I mean, like, come on. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Who knows what's in that stuff? Yes, sir. I was going to say that too, and I just not too. I didn't want to freak you out. <laughs> now, so, listen, I know. I, I've read all the stuff. My wife sends me the links like every week. That's why you can't hear, or can't see, or you know, you don't know what you're. Yeah, that's it. That's part of it, <laughs> I guess. If that's okay, there you go. It's not. It's not that we're moving towards sixty and a high. <laughs> yeah, right. And like the last two years have just sent me on a decline. Like you never, you know, you can't. <laughs> yeah, believe, right. You seriously, right? But uh, anyway, listen, we're pushing forward with or without your diet soda. It doesn't matter. We're here. <laughs> we're still alive. We're kicking. So tonight's topic, or this morning's topic, whenever you're listening, that's is, right. That's right. Can a band play too often or too much? Can they play the same venue too much? Can they play the same song too much? Do they play the same style too much? I mean, it, there's a lot of ways we can look at this. But can a band play too often? What do you think, buddy? You're out there. You're out there in the trenches. Well, so are you. This is my thing with with this. Uh, you know, I was thinking about it when you and I discussed what we were going to tackle this morning. You know, back in, you know, back in our day, you know, there wasn't a thing of playing too much there was because bands played all the time and they played a lot of the same clubs i mean i know i did it and you know during that time you could play on a friday night and the you know at midnight and the place would be packed it was just how it was you know crowd some places had their own crowd building crowd plus your fans to me i don't think that and you could disagree with this hey you just have to let me know where you're where you're at but back in the day i didn't really believe that there was a thing of playing too much at the same venue you know obviously you didn't play there every weekend but maybe once a month or so uh, you know you, you played a club and there was always there was always a crowd I mean, you know we talk about it all the time and the difference of today and back then when it comes to crowds and people coming to shows but in 2022 as i've gotten older been in the scene a long time i really think that playing the same place on a frequent basis you're not getting anything out of it i mean except for the fact that you're honing your craft you're getting to play live no matter who's in the crowd you're playing with your band you're tightening up the screws you are just getting better at playing live and in that aspect then you know it's if you just if you're just doing shows to do those kind of things you're not really worried about the people then that's okay but then on the other hand you have to worry about if you're not bringing anybody now you're affecting the club and its business now you're hurting everybody right like if you keep playing the same place and you're not bringing people then that club's maybe not going to book you or maybe not even do you know local original music i mean you know in in this day and age you know there is a big thing with tribute bands now and uh you know with you and i playing metal it gets a little harder to play places and uh when you're a metal original band and you keep going back to the well um i i don't think that's very healthy for the band i that's just my personal opinion but what are you gaining out 
you know, playing the same place all the time. And I'm not going to say I'm not guilty of it because there are places around where we are that I frequent, not as much as we were during COVID because now we're, we're trying to spread out a little bit. But after being off for so long, we got back into the swing of things. We, we were going back to the well, but that, that was, again, that was just to hone our craft and kind of shake the rust off. But I don't think it's healthy for a band. I really don't. I think that it hurts everything. It hurts your band. It hurts the uh, the club because people will go, oh, they're playing such and such a place this month. Oh, I'll go see them in two weeks at the same venue. And, and I, you know, unfortunately, I see it all the time. And I don't necessarily think it's it's a great thing. I, I think it, it hurts a lot. It hurts the scene. It hurts the band. And what are you getting out of it? You're not, I mean, you're not, to me, you're not getting anything out of it. And, and that's the part that bothers me the most. Or what are you doing? You know, you and I have talked about it before. If you play a successful show or you have a successful new record or whatever, the follow-up is the most important. Well, if you play this killer show somewhere, what's your follow-up? And if you keep going back to the well, you're not following up. You know what I mean? And I know how you are on a business level too. You know, that follow-up is super, super important. But if you keep just going back to the same place, you're not doing anything for the your next step, the next level, you know? Completely. First of all, what do you get out of it? I mean, there's a couple different points to that. Like, I mean, if you're playing... You're honing your craft. You're getting better. You're playing, in of course. You know, you're playing in front of a live crowd, or hopefully a live crowd, or <laughs> a live crowd, and you know, you're getting better at what you're doing. Your stage presence, your banter, and, and you know, and again, I, I guess if you're a young band, that's kind of important to do. You got to get that field time, so to speak. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. you need to get that. Now, when we were younger, I mean, we would play any and all gigs. Yep. Okay. I mean, yep. and I think that's natural because one, you're excited. You know, you want to get out there. You're learning the ropes. So you'd be playing at all these crazy times, you know, even including the 1 a.m. stuff until you you realize this is not really helping me because it yeah. doesn't work the same way as it once did, especially if you're familiar with that. If you're not familiar with that, then it is kind of a, like the first time you do it, you're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, and then it doesn't happen and there's nothing there. So, but I think it's part of the learning ropes. I think everyone needs to do that. I think... Any new band goes through that process, unless you're like, you know, a collection of well-known musicians, artists, then you're not going to have that same issue. But as you're a forming band, new band, regardless of age for the individual members, I think that there's a piece of the puzzle to go through to see what you want, what you don't want, what works, what doesn't work. I mean, some bands like to play later. They don't want to be that early band. For a lot of different reasons. It could be, I can't get my bass player and drummer to be there at 7 o'clock. Right. But I can right. get them there at 9 o'clock. It's just right. a weird thing, right. you know? We would prefer to play the later time slot. Some people, I mean, there's still that stigma, the later the time slot, the more people are going to be at the venue. However, that's not necessarily the case. That has not been the case for a long time. Years ago, when you and I were young, yes. Because some people didn't go out until 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And the clubs kicked in at 10, 11, 12. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were there yeah. till closing. And some yeah. guys would, you know, bar hop. They would go to this venue to see a band. And then they would go to another venue down the street and see another band. Because a lot of times yeah. there, there was like multiple bookings. And no one used to have a problem with that. Because like you said, some of those venues had built-in crowds. And then those fans would follow along suit. Yeah. Now, going back a little bit, it wasn't uncommon for a band to play two, three nights, sometimes in a row, 
at a venue. You would book up if you were good enough and the club liked you, the crowd seemed to respond, you could become a house band. That means you played there you played there on the prime times, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe even Sunday night, depending. A lot of Sunday nights that I remember were all ages at a lot of yes. venues. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Because they yeah. wanted that allure to come in. You know what I mean? It yeah. was money. Yep. So it helped broaden some of the uh, the aspects. And it gave younger bands in age, you know, in the age bracket, an opportunity to play as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. remember going to the yeah. Empire a lot on Sundays because it was in all ages. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And they always had good shows. It wasn't like you were getting always. like crap stuff. It was all good shows. Here's an example. Let's go back to the Prince movie, Purple Rain, right? In mid-80s. Hold, hold, hold that thought real quick because I just want to make sure I get this out. I want people to, to understand that when you say that bands used to play like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're talking original music. We're not talking like cover bands. We're talking original, original music. Maybe a band would throw some covers in. But back in the day when bands were doing that, it was all original. Oh, yeah. I mean, venues, you know, those what we refer to as clubs, we still use that word clubs. Right. It's really right. not that. Right. It's not right. a right. relevant term the same way, but we use it because it's part of our, our vernacular. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Man, look at that at early in the morning. See? Look at that. That's that diet soda, man. <laughs> it just... It it sparks things up. Words come Your in. Brain's, yeah, brain's I can't moving. I can't spell vernacular. I'm surprised <laughs> I can actually pronounce it. It's Ross the boss. Take it down. This is Stephen Pearson from Rat the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. Let's go back to the movie Purple Rain. I can't remember the year. Maybe it was '84. I'm not even sure. '85. Sounds about right. I think. Yeah, something like, something like that. that. I can't remember. But that showed a large venue in a city that had two or three major bands that played, and it was yeah. harder for other bands to break in because they were the house bands, and they would yeah. pack the night. They would rehearse yeah. all week, and they would play maybe Friday and Saturday. They'd do two shows, and it was a battle of who was going to be that headliner. Right. And that wasn't uncommon. No. no. I mean, that wasn't a... really a stretch from the scene. Now, maybe the drama and stuff, yeah, I don't know. And maybe that does exist, too. I don't know. But now they call it a residency. Right. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. can a band play over and over? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, they've been doing residencies forever, right? You know I mean? Mm -hmm. Elvis did it, mm -hmm. that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. people are doing it now in Vegas all the time. Why? People go, well, you know, it makes sense because there's a constant changeover of the audience. Right. And the artists don't have to leave. There's no travel involved. They literally, you know, they stay there for as long as they can or, you know, they go home for a couple days. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kiss was going to do one, and they didn't do one. I don't know if they're going to go back to doing it, but, you know, I mean, sometimes it's a month. I mean, Donnie and Marie did, like, two-year residency, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and the payday is, like you said, it's amazing. It allows you to play in one spot, and you could do other things if you need mm -hmm. to, because the traveling really does take a toll on you. But, I mean, it works. I mean, yeah. all these names are doing it nowadays. And, again, we're looking at it at a much higher level than the regular artist. The issue that we're running into today is there is no built-in crowds. There is no audience that goes out in mass numbers like they used to. People don't follow bands the same way in the live setting as they did years ago, where people now, it's like you follow a band, it's all online. Right. You know, when people go, oh, yeah, I follow a band. 
Well, that means you you like them here and you check them out here, and it's all yeah. in the digital world. With a Grateful Dead person, yeah, I follow the band. That means you travel in a little Winnebago with the band right. behind, and you're <laughs> right. sleeping in tents and trees and under porches and <laughs> wherever else. You haven't showered in 60 days, and you've just seen 250 shows. That's the, <laughs> So the difference of 50 years of what a following a band is, you know, so... Can a band play too often? Well, here's another story. When Tesla got signed for their first album, their manager forbade them from playing out the first six months after the album was was released. Modern Day Cowboy was released. It was being played on the radio. It started to kind of move up the charts. These guys were Jones in the play. They all had to keep their regular jobs, crappy blue-collar jobs. Yeah, yeah. And it was like... They were going nuts, and guys were like, oh, you're on the radio, but your band isn't going anywhere, you're not doing anything. Because they wanted to kind of pull the plug and get people excited. I understand the thinking. Mm. It's tough for a young artist to look at that, say, well, I'm on the radio, I should be out playing. They didn't want them to just, because if they could go to a regular club or a regular bar or venue that's just so they could play a gig, they're going to lose that excitement. So they wound up holding out for six months and then they got a big tour and they just exploded from there so there was some there was some business to that that's kind of smart right yeah so they they made them disappear let the album kind of really generate a buzz the single the video because the video was being played in constant rotation on mtv at that time you know got the audience and and the industry excited enough then that they just you know i mean there were some smart things Again, doubling back, would that work for a local band? I don't know. I'm going to venture to say probably not. Because, again, how people relate to bands now or how they interact with bands. You know, I mean, there's such a divide. They talk about social media has, like, kind of gotten rid of that divide between the major acts and everybody else and the fan. Your favorite star is only a click away and, you know, people have, you know, made connections with them and all that. Well, Yes and no, right? Like, I'm not best friends with Rob Halford. Yeah. I'm not chatting with him on... I mean, some of the people I do chat with or, you know, I interact with, I mean, you know, no offense, but some of them are... They either didn't have the same popularity... Right. Or they never reached a certain plateau or, you know... You know what I mean? I'm trying not to say anything derogatory in any way but i think you understand what i'm trying to say like nikki six isn't my best buddy i can't just make a couple calls and all of a sudden i'm talking to nikki six doesn't work like that though i tried it with paul stanley several times it just doesn't seem he just won't (laughs) pick up the phone (laughs) you are listening to the cosmic voice with your hosts chris natalini and mick michaels I do think that, like, even though they say, well, it's level the playing field and it's done all this. Yeah, maybe. I think it's more of a... Honestly, I think the whole social media thing has created this idea, this fantasy, that it's leveled certain things for people, for fans and, you know. But there's still a great divide between the major bands and your local and regional bands. It's just the way it is. And the fans even make that distinction all the time. All the time. You know what I mean? They'll go out and they'll spend $100, $200, $300, sometimes up to $1,500 on a ticket to go see a band that's been around forever who's probably putting on a half-ass show to begin with. They're nowhere near what they were, but they won't go see a local band 
for yeah. 10 bucks, five local bands, three local bands, whatever. Because really, you're seeing five bands and you paid 10 bucks. You know, each band's getting $2 a piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not like, like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to give them money. You're giving them two bucks. And when they split that up, you know. I mean, I remember I was at a, you know, whatever, but like there was a show and it was like cutthroat for $30. Yeah. And I was like, really, man, $30? You, you're going, well, I got to pay the boys. You got to, I mean, you got to pay the boys. So you got five guys in the band. So they're all jonesing for $6 at this point. <laughs> like, I mean, like $6 splitting it up is going to make a big difference for all these guys. Well, you know, yeah. you know, I got to pay the guy. I, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that they, like, I wasn't getting paid that night either. And this other guy, you know, it's like we were all, so we had to kind of like, all right, you know, I mean, we kind of got to share the grief here, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. your guys are jonesing for six bucks here. You know what? I got a 10. Help. I'm going to help them out. I'm going to help them out a little bit. I'm going to give you a 10. You know what I mean? Maybe that'll, you know, you know, get them their coffee. I mean, come on, man. I, you know, so you got to, you got to balance that out. But can a band play too much? I don't know. Maybe nowadays I've heard people complain about bands playing the same sets over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, and I'm familiar with that. My band plays like we have a we have a set that we have like the tried and true set. Like depending right. on the gig, like we'll just go. We're doing the tried and true set because we know right. hands down that it works. It works right yeah. from top mm -hmm. to bottom. It works. Yep. There's other times we, we go. Hey, we're going to try to throw this in. See how this goes. Hey, we're working on this song. Let's throw this in. I mean, we've been around 11 years, so they're staple songs. Just like other bands, people that have come out to see us are expecting to hear certain songs. But I've also learned that, I was told this, and I've said this before on the show as well, the music's always new to somebody. Yep. So never look at it like, oh, we're playing the set again. Yes, maybe for you, but at the same time, it's always new to somebody. And even somebody, somebody that's seen you before may hear that song differently the next time they see you. They yeah. either weren't paying attention, they went to the bathroom that time, they dropped their skittles and they were under the you know the the seats trying to look for them and then you know you came up and you know when did you write that song I don't know like twenty five years ago and I just kind of pulled it out of my hat you know that kind of thing so, it could also it could I find too sometimes you just play it better one night you know like maybe maybe when that oh, person yeah. saw you you guys boffed it but then the next time you guys rocked it and you know people go oh man you know that, that you know that that's kind of what catches their attention. Yeah, and you know, the beauty about the live thing is exactly what you're saying is like, you know, intensity levels change. Yeah. And, you know, not to say that we're not giving it our all, but there's different levels of all, right? I mean, we've talked about this before, both on and off the air. I mean, sometimes the crowd feeds the band as the band feeds the crowd. And correct. the intensity levels will change. Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've played in front of some very intense crowds where I've been nervous. I was like, oh my God. And then other times you're like... <laughs> Are you alive? Hello? Like you're pointing at them. You know what I mean? This song's for you. You know, that kind of thing. Like you're, you know, get this guy, I don't know, another drink or something. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But I have seen bands go through that. Oh, we're playing that again. Like you were saying, if they don't have that material, they would throw in some covers. And bands always did that. I mean, even yeah. back oh, in yeah. the 80s, yeah, I remember, yeah. you know, yeah. bands would throw in some. I mean, I remember seeing Bon Jovi. And they did covers. 
Yeah. It's one of those things that's just, you know, when you're doing well, it binds people together. It's kind yeah. of exciting. Yeah. You know, you see your favorite artist do a, a really cool version of another song. But they also yeah. have a captivated audience at that point, right? Yeah. So people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. It's not like they're opening up with a cover. You know, they, they kind of right, right. cram it in mid-show as they bookend their own stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I've been with bands, and we've done, you know, multiple, like, shows together where... Every time we seen them, say like, say we we played with them for a month and we did like five or six shows. So we did like these like mini excursions, and their set was different every time, because yeah. they're like, oh, we need more covers. One set was more covers than the original stuff, and I understand as you're trying to change up, keep the juices flowing. However, if you're playing different markets, that market wasn't privy to the set before, so it's not like oh they're playing this again. Yeah. Type of thing, yeah. right? So, in my opinion, if you're an original band, you should be pushing your originals over and over and over again because mm-hmm. it's key. We talked about this before. If you're short on originals, well, then covers that kind of reflect your sound and style is probably the way to go. I mean, I've been with some bands where it's like their covers were all over the place. And I know, you know, there's that obscurity that you're looking for. Like, oh, we can take, you know, this and, and do it this way, you know. You know, ever since Marilyn Manson did the Arrhythmic song, everybody's figures, well, you know, I could take a pop song and, you know, got to have faith and all that and then make it, you know, well, okay, maybe, you know, maybe one time it's kind of cool. But then, like, if that's all you're doing, you know, then just have a YouTube channel. Yeah. And, you know, you, you do, you know, odd stuff. I don't know, man. I, I would love the idea of having a residency or being the house band to some degree. I don't look at it maybe not for years on or even like a months on, maybe maybe a month or two because there's some things that could be honed there. But again, it really comes down to do you have that crowd to do it? And I really right. feel that most uh, local and regional bands don't have that nowadays because it's a different... I mean, who goes out? I mean, people honestly, people went out very little in those cases prior to COVID it's pretty much back to where it was before COVID. Yeah. I mean, people are back to, like, you know, it's they come and they go and they decide, uh, you know, things are open, I'll go tomorrow or whatever. You know, it's kind of like your trash. If you get it picked up on Tuesdays and Fridays and Tuesday you miss and you go, ah, I'll just put it all out Friday. That's always my fear. Like, you keep playing the same place all the time and somebody goes, ah, I'll just see them next time. Well, to me, like, that's not what you want to do. You want to make people come and see you, you know, and and I don't mean that like threatening with their lives. I mean, more like, oh, man, you guys are playing. Oh, I'm definitely coming out because you don't play there often. Or maybe you play there every six or seven months. And, you know, you play there every week or, you know, at least once a month. People just go, "I'll, I'll wait till next time. You had mentioned Tesla, which is a perfect example of that different level. But the idea is the same. You want people to crave to see you. And if you're playing the same club all the time, people are just going to wait till next time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, look, there are, you know, there's those, and again, I know they're covers, okay? But you get those acoustic acts that will be at a restaurant or, or whatever, or some type of public place, and they'll play. And they may play every Friday night, every Saturday night, whatever. They have to play for a couple hours. They're entertaining the crowd, but they're not the center of the focus. They're like background music. Right. It's like a live right. jukebox. And I've seen guys like that several times. There's several restaurants will have the same person, you know, come out. I mean, you know, Billy Joel did that. That's where he got the whole yeah. piano man thing, right? You yeah. go and you yeah. play. 
But again, for the most part, you're playing cover songs so that people can relate to them. I mean, you, you hear the Beatles and the Stones and, you know, you know, the Carpenters or whatever the case. It's not the same for original bands. It's not the same for original metal bands either. It's, yeah. you know, that's a whole nother beast. And again, everything that we talk about, I think, can relate to any artist, any genre, any style. But specifically, since you and I are in that metal scene, it is much harder. If you booked every Friday at a local place, the first week maybe people would come. Second week it'd be less. Third and fourth, it's probably just, you know. Especially if yeah. you were supposed to be the draw. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It probably isn't going to happen. One, because there's just not enough in the market to support that. Now, maybe if you were playing New York and you could space yourself out, but you're still playing New York, right. it may work. Now, we did, years ago, we did a four-night run in New York, but we played, I mean, New York's big enough that you could play so, you know, yeah. that you're, it really is, you go two blocks and it's a whole different world. It worked that way, and we did that for L.A., too, even though there is still a stigma with certain clubs out there that they don't want you to play, you know, within a certain mile radius, within a certain time frame. And I know at one point in the early 2000s to, like, 2010, 2012, there were a lot of venues still adhering to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, there's, you know, still, there, there's still some now. I mean, even in our area, I know for a fact there's oh, certain yeah. clubs, you know, they don't want you to play a club in the same, you know, within X amount of radius miles. Yeah, and I don't really know if that's so much... It really has nothing to do with the oversaturation of the band and their music and the brand. It, I mean, let, you know, let's call it for what it is. They just don't want to infringe upon their opportunity to make money. It has nothing correct. to do with the band. No, that is correct. Right, so if I played a club that was five miles away apart from the other club a week apart would that really affect me no i don't know not really i don't think so because you know again if one is you know town a and the other one's town b and they're only five miles apart well on paper it makes sense because i'm playing here and i'm playing here two different towns yeah it's only five miles apart so what's the difference between five miles apart and ten miles apart right, right. today nothing because you'll have business analysis that will say most people that join a gym live within two miles of that gym. Most people that would go to a martial arts school are usually a mile within that martial arts school because they don't want to travel that far. That's why there's supermarkets in most little communities. That's why people also go nuts and they go, oh my God, I got to drive an extra two minutes to the supermarket now because they just moved, you know, the mom and pop place just disappeared and now it's a big right. box store. It drives right. people nuts because their mentality is, is I'm only going to go. That, so local bars are able to stay up and running because within a block radius is usually their core customer base. Right. Because they can come down their one room apartment and walk right to the bar, cash their check have a meal, get drunk, hear a song, watch the news, and then go back up to their one-room apartment. Right. All walking, right? I mean, it, I'm not you know, saying anything bad. I'm just telling you that's kind of statistically, that's how neighborhood bars survive. 
Yeah, yeah. And in today's market, most of those neighborhood bars are where bands play now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the next thing is is strip mall bars that kind of pride themselves with the new term, like, you know, we're an entertainment venue. I get it, you know, because they have a little bit more of the space. There's a traffic pattern outside. That means there's a parking lot. Parking's easy. So, you know, a lot of those local venues, local watering holes, parking's the biggest issue, isn't it? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I, there are so many times now me and my band will book a gig and, and the one thing we talk about is, okay, the cool thing about playing Club A, plenty of parking, easy to get to, right off the highway, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've played a big from Philly too, like you and I are. Playing Philly is the worst because depending on the venue, but there is nowhere to park. It is so hard to get somewhere, especially when you're in town, like when you're in center city, forget about it. it it's It's such a nightmare. Even if you go to, you know, the big venues, like one of the big venues here in in Philly is the TLA. And it's so hard to get to. There's traffic, no parking. That is a big issue. Unfortunately, sometimes when my band plays a place, that may be my selling point. Go, hey, you know, come out to Club A, man. You'll love it. It's, it's, uh, you know, they got great food. You know, it's cheap drinks. There's plenty of parking. It's easy to get to. Instead of just going, hey, my band's playing Saturday night. You know what I mean? You know, I got to build on that with stuff that is makes it more interesting for people. You know, you play, oh, you go, oh, I'm playing Philly on South Street. And everybody goes, oh, you know, God, there's no place to park or it's expensive to park, whatever it is. But then you go, well, I'm playing an entertainment place, like you said, at a strip mall. You know, plenty of parking, easy to get to. Food's good. Drinks are good. It's a killer little club. It's clean. Bathrooms are nice. Like, you got to sell. You're basically selling the club more than you're selling the band. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be a matter of convenience now for the audience. You can't even call it fan base. It's because your fan base nowadays is all strictly online. That's it, fan base. Yeah. Okay? Your audience is that local niche wherever you go, right? So even if you're playing out of state, you're really counting on whatever that local right section is because right. people from your home base like people from philly aren't traveling to new york to see you right right now, i we've had that i mean we've had some people yeah. that have, yeah, you know, have to. It, it happens but in the most part if you're playing in the middle of ohio people from philadelphia aren't driving out there to see that show right, right. so you are counting on and somebody's going to say well you know then your numbers need to show that you have an audience in there well listen it doesn't work like that anymore like, if you go back in the old days, okay, and I'm going to just say the old days. Let's just pretend like it was the 60s and 70s, even early 80s. You built a fan base, like, because everybody now, again, they everything's centered around social media and the internet, which is all BS to begin with. Right. Because it doesn't matter. It's I mean, remember a couple of years ago, prior COVID, there was that band, that guy that was, who was booking these this European tour, and he was given all these outrageous numbers to the venues and stuff so he could be booked a headline. They were pre-selling. Yeah, yeah. and then there was like no one coming. You know what I mean? I don't remember the whole story, but it was just, you know, listen, I've talked about this before. What the guy did was wrong. I get it. It was just misleading. And that's the worst thing you can do, especially as an artist. But business-wise, on paper, this guy was making making it look like some of these other people to give himself a shot. 
I get yeah. it. You know, yeah. I, I got to give it to his ingenuity. If he took it and put it in the right perspective, maybe some more could have happened to it. I don't know. Anyway, back to the, the thing. When Kiss hit the road in the 70s, they were playing everywhere and anywhere. They were building a following. They weren't selling any records, but they were right. building a following. Most people were like, who are these guys? You know what I mean? I mean, even the the headliners weren't even sure who these guys were. Anything, yeah. you know? So yeah. when we go out on the road... Now, here's the thing. When we go out on the road now, it's usually more of a controlled environment. That means we're being asked to come out or we're building, you know, some stuff at some territory where we know things are going to happen. But that's because we've been at this. This band's been at this for 11 years. So it's a little different. When we used to do it before, it was like potluck. Like we're like, hey, we're taking the show on the road. We're seeing if we can connect with new people. So we went in the markets where they didn't know us. We didn't know them. We're learning, you know, as we go along. Some were fantastic. Others were complete and utter disasters. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, not everything was a home run. In my opinion, for a band, if you're looking to take that to the next level, and because we're still using part of that old model, it's like get out and get to the people. Bring the music to them. Because remember, prior to 2000, the internet wasn't what people did. Right. I mean, it was there. I get it. But people are basing that the model now on, well, you got to have the numbers, you know, you got to, what's your social status here? And, and well, that's not, because it, they're not true. They're not real. Especially right. now. I mean, Facebook has even been running ads. Like, you know, you yeah. can buy numbers. Yep. And they're yep. calling it homegrown, legitimate numbers. Well, yeah, but I'm still paying for them. Like, I'm, you're, I'm giving you money and you get so many people to like my stuff. So none of the numbers are real anymore. Right. Unless you got low numbers. Right. Look at a couple of my videos in, in recent years. The numbers are real low. They're homegrown for sure. That miracle grow ain't working. I mean, there's some bands that have amazing stream numbers and video numbers. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, but they're, they're still playing some of the same places we are. Like they're, they're not on these. Where's the package? Where's the big package? If right, you have all right, these numbers, right. if it's all about numbers nowadays, can yeah, you play yeah. a place too often? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if you're there so much, I think what it does is it, I'm not so worried about it stagnating the audience or the crowd or whatever. Because, again, like we just pointed out earlier in the show, that idea of don't play the two weeks within a certain time, certain miles, it has more to do with the venue's ability to make money than they care at all about whether the band oversaturates the audience, right? Right. But I mean, right. what I think it does is if you play a place too often, is that it makes the band complacent, lazy. They're not paying attention to the particulars. They're not pushing themselves. They're not challenging themselves because it's easy to do. It's turnkey. Ah, we show up, we play, we go home. There's no there's no challenge to it. There's no urgency. And honestly, this band, we did that. We got excited about one place. We played it eight, nine times a year. Yeah. And that's a lot. Yeah. At, I then know. I didn't see it. But then all of a sudden, like one night I'm like, we got to stop this. Like, what am I thinking? Like, yeah, it's exciting. We were able to bring people in. But it's like, we're not doing anything for ourselves. That's right. That's right. Right? I mean, each time we come yeah. here, we're making the venue money. We get a little money in our pocket, but I'd rather take it on the road if I'm going to lose, then at least I'm losing taking a shot. 
And that's 100%. That's when I started changing some of the model and stuff like that. Listen, I don't think playing this place in terms of like, you know, if you played it, even if you played it once a month is going to kill. Because if you're playing it with different bands and your different time slots and sometimes change stuff up, we, we've done this as well with my band. It's like we'll play a night with we're the heaviest metal band. Yeah. And some people are like, we're a sanctuary, super heavy. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> if you're playing with rock bands or right, the, right, like a right. like a glam band, well, then we're a heavy metal band. Yeah, and then we've yeah. played with places where we're the light guys. Hey, well, you guys playing right. pop? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Journey? Yeah, yeah we're Journey. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but, and we've done stuff with where we've been in mixed genres, right? You and I are doing a show where, coming up, it's a benefit. And by the time this airs, that benefit will be long gone. And I guess, you know. A different government will be in place, but it's a mixed genre. Yeah, because it is yeah. a benefit. Because it's know, a benefit. Yeah, and you get you're going to get different crowds. I mean, it's listen. I'm not going to drop names because it sounds so gaudy. But we've played with certain larger national acts, and people go, "Why are you doing that?" It doesn't, you know, because it's a whole new crowd, man. And yep. if you have enough material, you can kind of swap up your set a little bit. You can make it heavier. You can make it a little lighter. You can, you play to the crowd. But I'm telling you, man, those ones that were, say, a little out of scope for what we normally do have always been some fantastic shows. Yep. Every yep. single time. Not to say that the other ones haven't. I mean, because they have. And then there's shows that you thought that would have really kind of hit hard, and they didn't. So, yeah. you know, I think if you're going to play... Challenge yourself, challenge your music, because if you play in front of the same crowd all the time, how do you really know that your music is universal? And I'm doing the quote unquote. Right, right. Okay. Are you seeing that? Are you feeling it? My fingers are going like rabbit ears up and down. Do you hear the wind in the mic? Do you hear the wind in the mic? Quote unquote. But if you challenge, I mean, listen, take, listen, let your ego go for a second and say, hey, listen, let's see how this works. Let's see how it works here. Let's see how it works here. Try it overseas, where you're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, you got right. a little bit of interest. Your numbers, I'm doing the thing again, your numbers <laughs> show something. But really, do you know for sure? No, you don't. Numbers no, you could don't be know. anything. Yeah. This, yeah. Nowadays, numbers could be anything. And most of the time, those numbers don't generate any money. Yeah. And yeah. if that was the case, yeah. every artist would be making millions of dollars on Spotify. And only yeah. a small percentage do. Yeah. Or those people with, you know, with a million views on their... Most of them have regular jobs. Yeah. So it's yep. so those numbers don't tell you the truth like they used to. They're not necessarily... And there's that all that talk about, you know, you got to take those numbers and you got to translate them into sales. And the, Well, again, that doesn't happen either. How, how are you going to do that when you could basically steal everything? Yeah, and, yeah and, true. And even if you can't download it from an illegal site, if you're doing distribution packages, YouTube is a is a staple now. YouTube yeah. music. Your music's out there. Whether you picked it or not, it's out there. And they have enough freeware, ripping software. People do it. So what? Diff- so you can't do that. Get in your van. Take a shot. That's the only reason I think playing, unless somebody offers you big money to be the house band or a residency... I would suggest that you take it. Why not? <laughs> right. Why not? Why right. not? Exactly. Right. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, I never could understand these guys that are on a hit show, and then they, they get so full of themselves after the third, fourth oh. season, and they go, no, nah, I want to go do movies. And they don't. They, it's, I know. And I then see then, it all the time. Right, yeah. So if you get the opportunity as an artist, take it. But in the meantime, 
get out there. Take a shot. If you're going to play and you want to play often, then play out on the road. And again, your failure is your failure. But that failure could be, if you look at it that way, if you look at it as it's purely a failure, well, then you're not you're not learning anything from it. A failure right. is just another step to success. Man, I can write the book on failure. I'm still writing the book. I know I got a few more chapters. <laughs> and there's they're definitely and the big ones are coming. The climax is yet to you know the other shoe is still waiting to drop. So I mean, but if you don't challenge yourself because of that fear of failure. You're not going to get anywhere. And as an artist, especially today, because of the oversaturation, because of these fake numbers, because everything is socially interactive online, not in real life, man. Not it. Does, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. Yep. But yep. I'll tell you, you want to make a big impact, you got to get out there and you got to do it live. And if it means playing and playing often, then I say do it. And if the venue won't let you do it, go to another venue. And if that venue yeah. don't, keep going. There's plenty of places out there. Places open, places close. Before, during, yeah. and after COVID. It's, it, That's kind of the way of the world. Yep, it's yep. been happening yep. for years. A major venue in Philadelphia recently reopened after being closed for how many years? Almost four years? Yeah. Maybe yeah. even more than yeah. that? But it, yep. it's changed hands so many times in the last yep. 40 years. Yep. And there's some been some big names that have come through there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and, the, and the style of the club has changed and so on and so forth. Listen, it happens. New blood's always coming in. Old blood's always going out. Yep. So play, man. Play till your heart's content. And if not, you know what I mean? Just keep playing online. Play. If you like that whole thing because it's safe. Do it. Get them numbers yeah. up. Here, I'm doing it That's again. Right. Get those right. numbers. <laughs> it's almost my Nixon. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you think, man? You got anything else you want to add? No, man. Nope. Nope. I said, I said all that uh, I said all I needed to say. Honestly, I'm not sure we actually answered the question. Can a band play too much? Because we were off into Purple Rain and, and Elvis and... <laughs> You know, I think we did. I think we did. Okay. (laughs) I think we did. All right. Well, I hope they did too. If you like that, check out some of our other content at www.thecosmicvoice.com. Step into the cosmic verse and fill that void. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business.